A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's gonna get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com join. And thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. It's never an easy call with so many problems in the world to know where to direct the money that you donate when you want to help out in this world. But what I can tell you is that when you donate to CAMH, you're saving lives. We know about the opioid crisis. We know about the mental health crisis. They are doing the work. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help us treat addiction and build hope. Hi. It has been a year since I asked you to fund an original investigative podcast looking into what is going on in Thunder Bay, Ontario. Well, today I can tell you that that podcast is here. Go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and search for Thunder Bay or just go to Canada Land's page. You can subscribe right now and listen to a trailer. And in one week's time, episodes one and two will be available to download at the same time. This is the most anticipated and ambitious show we have ever done, and you can subscribe to it now. This is a story that we have been trying to tell you for over three years. It started on March 19th, 2015, when a documentary that was supposed to air on the CBC was pulled from the broadcast schedule at the last minute. We looked into it and found out that the reason it did not air is because of interference from the WE organization. They learned that their founder, Craig Kilberger, and their Me to WE organization, their for-profit business, were featured in the documentary which was a critical look at volunteerism trips called Volunteers Unleashed. I'm going on an airplane to, to Africa. Emily is part of a new travel trend combining globetrotting and volunteering. It's called volunteerism. When the documentary was finally broadcast on the CBC, it had been changed. Images originally included of Craig Kilberger giving an inspirational speech to a stadium full of kids at a Wee Day event were now gone. And a young woman 
who had criticized Midui in the original version, she was now presented as a person who was critical, but explicitly not critical of Midui. Pippa Biddle sounds a cautionary note, not about Mita We, but about some volunteer organizations that can put an idealistic person in a very difficult situation. Our reporter Sean Craig reached out to that young woman, Pippa Biddle, to ask her about the changes, and she said that she felt completely misrepresented by how they had changed that documentary. So that's how this all started, and that's when I started to wonder, what is We? Hi, we're two brothers, and we've been pretty passionate around changing the world for a very long time. And we're here today to talk to you about we. Uh, not we as in the two of us, but Mm-mm. we, the movement. You see, there are a lot of big problems. I confess, I knew very little about them at the time. I was vaguely aware of Craig Kilberger. I, I knew his origin story as a philanthropist who at the age of 12, this kid from Thornhill who confronted Jean Chrétien to ask the prime minister why he wasn't doing more to fight child labor in developing in third world countries. Forget being the prime minister for a second. Just simply as a Canadian, it's his moral responsibility. We just finished our meeting with the PM. Yeah. Uh, I got out most of my points. He says, well, it's a very complex issue and things like this take time and well, we donate to the uh, IPAC. And- I did know that Craig Kilberger and his brother had built a successful organization, the WE Movement, to take on that fight. But what I didn't know is just how successful the Kilbergers have been. WE is enormous. It employs over a thousand people. It has WE Charity, WE Villages, WE Schools. As I said, it has a for-profit wing, a company called Me To We. They prefer the term social enterprise to describe their company, but that's what it is technically. It's a company. And this business puts half of its profits back into the charity. We is in schools. Many schools in Canada, the US, the UK. Teachers and students work together on We clubs, extracurricular clubs, but there's also lessons, curriculum attached lessons that We prepares that teachers can use in class. All of it reaches 16,000 schools around the world. And the we message, it reaches kids at really young ages. You know, there's a point in the life of any child where you learn that there is suffering in the world, that there are people in other countries who don't have enough to eat or clean water to drink, that kids the same age as you don't get to go to school but are forced to do hard labor. We is there shortly after kids learn about that to tell them, you can do something about that. You have the power to change this. For a younger generation especially, WE is one of the most well-known and popular philanthropic organizations in the world. Just this past year, over 200,000 students have gone to a WE Day event. WE Days, again. WE Day! There are these stadium shows where 10, 15, 18,000 students all attend this massive stadium show where bands join the Kielbergers and celebrities take the stage and they tell kids you can change the world. That simple things like buying ethical products or going on a volunteerism trip can have huge impacts. Celebrities and personalities like Demi Lovato, the Dalai Lama, Justin Trudeau, Natalie Portman take the stage to deliver that message. We Day, a celebration of young people making a difference. Thanks for believing in us. With Will Farrell, wow. Dirk Bentley, Dr. Phil. So good to be here. Selena Goldman. Just this past week, Craig Kielberger said that he did an event with Martin Luther King III, where MLK III said that if his dad, Martin Luther King Jr., were alive today, he would be part of the WE movement. This is going on across our country. 
This is in Toronto, Vancouver, Halifax, Calgary, and it's increasingly present in the States as well. The We brand is golden. It is synonymous with good works. It is literally a virtue signal. And for that reason, corporate brands want very much to get next to We. Our story today is about how those corporate partnerships have led We into trouble territory. After we ran that first story in 2015, we started getting tips. We employees and former We employees had information that they thought the world should know about. I have assigned reporter after reporter here to talk to those sources and work towards a story. But those reporters were also covering other stories at the same time, and some of the people who I assigned this to were freelance journalists. And the story just got bigger and bigger. Ultimately, I realized I had to hire someone to investigate this full-time. Jaron Kerr first worked here at CanadaLand through our apprenticeship program. After that, the Toronto Star snatched him up. When I found out that he was available again, I hired him right away to work this story full-time. He's been doing that for four months. Today, his written report breaks on our website, and he's going to tell you about it on this podcast. Guys, I am going to speak very carefully with Jaron about all of this. And that's not just because we have received aggressive and accusatory letters from Wee's lawyers. Jaron and I are going to speak very carefully today because nothing we have to tell you today contradicts or challenges the fact that Wee's charity is a real charity that does a lot of good in the world. They do build schools. They do provide clean drinking water. They do a lot more than that. But they have received very little scrutiny from the press over the years. The Globe and Mail has dedicated an entire section to giving them praise. And they are worthy of praise, but they are not above scrutiny. And we did learn about problems and issues that we feel strongly you should know. Former employees of theirs also think you should know this information. We spoke to many of them, and one of them has allowed us to use their voice. Canada Land knows their name and has verified the former position they held with we, but we have granted this person anonymity and we have disguised their voice. Guys, what Jaron found out about speaks directly to just how far WE has gone from their initial purpose of fighting child labor. The WE movement is, in fact, connected to child labor. Wait for it. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by 3,751 people who might not even realize what they're doing. Can I just tell you what you're doing? Some of you don't know what you're doing. 3,751 of you give us a dollar a month, five bucks a month, 10, 20, whatever, whatever you want. And then hundreds of thousands of other people get our stuff because of that. It is the opposite of how paywalled media works. You don't pay for our media so you get it and nobody else and you have special access to it. You pay for it so that everybody else gets it. And that's why I have to say first before anything else to those 3,751 people, Thank you. Thank you. It always strikes me when I think about how amazing and strange it is that this thing runs because of you. It's not a lot of people. It's a kind of a big number. It's not that huge a number when you consider that we have delivered over 15 million downloads. So those under 4,000 people, they make it all possible. Thank you so much. And this is the month of the year when we talk about that. This is our crowdfunding campaign. And the way that this works is we take this month to tell you about why we're worth it. We tell you what we've done in the year behind us, and we tell you what we're going to do if we hit our goals in the year coming up. 
And no one is going to be able to tell you about that work better than the people who work here with me. There are now eight of us full-time. There are many more people on half-time or part-time, tons of freelance journalists who are published through us. And they're going to join me on a Canada Land coming up. And I will, at the end of this message, be making some announcements of some exciting stuff, uh, some stuff that people have been asking for for a long time. I'm really happy to let you know about that. Before that happens, right now, I just want to like take a step back and talk about this Canada land project, this thing, because it's five years old now. No big deal. Don't make a big deal about it. We just hit the five year anniversary of this thing. It's the best job I've ever had. Thank you for this job. What has happened since then is what I want to talk about right now, because when we reached the level where we became a company and started hiring people, we developed this beat. And I think that what people who wanted media criticism and media reporting wanted from us was to keep a constant eye on legacy media in Canada, the CBC, Post Media, the Globe and Mail, to look for things like when stories get censored or pulled, when advertisers influence stories, workplace issues, how people are treated in these newsrooms, that kind of stuff. That is at the core of what we do then. It's at the core of what we do now. But things have changed. Because this five-year period, of course, is a time period where the size and influence of the legacy news media has taken an incredible beating. And that has created something of a vacuum. It's a void. Because no matter what happens to the industry of news, people still wake up wanting information, wanting to know what's going on. And probably we click on more news stories. It's ironic that even though the news media is smaller than it's ever been before, our, our appetite and the amount of news we consume has gone up and up and up. And there are so many non-news organizations that have stepped into that void. There are so many special interests and lobby groups and frankly propagandists that have been flooding the field and providing information and misinformation. And so we have expanded our mandate to talk about them too. We have expanded our mandate to talk about players, of course, like the rebel, like the radical extreme right media. Uh, but also we have expanded our focus to talk about some of these shit posting sites like Ontario Proud, where they kind of build and amass a massive audience by getting you to click on, do you like Maple Leafs and hockey? And you click here and then suddenly you're getting all this stuff and you don't know who's paying for it, where it's coming from or why. We talk about Reddit. We talk about Facebook's connection to the Liberal Party of Canada. We talk about Press Progress, which is run out of the Broadbent Institute, which is NDP affiliated. They run some interesting information. They run some news stories that are worth reading, but they're not coming from a news source. They're coming from a partisan think tank. So that, that's how our focus, our mandate has expanded as media reporters. We're taking a broad look at what media is and it is changing so rapidly that you, like, you have to have some fighting chance of knowing who's giving you information and why. That is what we're here for. There's all kinds of strange things that have been happening. You know, Jonathan Goldsby, our news editor, he said, I don't want to focus as much on The Rebel this year. I want to focus on the Toronto Sun. I didn't get why. It felt to me like the Toronto Sun was just another dying post-media newspaper. He was right because what actually happened is if you are trying to step into this news vacuum and propagate a political idea, you can take over one of these existing dying news brands. The Toronto Sun got snatched up by post-media. Their news reporting capabilities went way down. Hyper-partisan columnists started to be news reporters, and Jonathan Goldsby turned up the pressure and the scrutiny on Toronto Sun, and it paid off when he got fed a document like nothing I've ever seen before. I've never seen anything like this. This was a planning document for management at the Toronto Sun that was planning the news before the news happened. 
It was planning what they were going to cover during the election campaign in a way that was just you could have been reading Doug Ford's campaign strategy playbook. But this was a document that was shared between news managers and news leaders. So we were the ones to expose that. We were the ones to tell you about that. And that forced a question to Toronto Sun management because, you know, there's still some reporters working for the Toronto Sun who are represented by unions and they still give a damn about not being political props. So their union went to Sun management and said, will you affirm the independence of your journalists? And Sun management refused to do that. And all of that stemmed from our reporting. So in broad strokes, that is where we're at and that is what we have been doing. And so Canada Land is now about covering that stuff too. And this year that lies ahead is going to be a decisive year for the media in Canada. Post Media, the Toronto Star, they're kind of at their end game. They are involved in really their last best efforts to save their newspapers. Simultaneously, we've seen the New York Times come in and with a staff of like three or four people, I believe they have now surpassed the Globe and Mail and digital subscriptions. We've seen other foreign players come in, make a lot of noise about investing in Canada like BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed Canada Grand Opening, BuzzFeed Canada Grand Closing. There's still some people working here from BuzzFeed. There's no such thing as BuzzFeed Canada anymore. Big investment made in Vice Canada, that money dried up. We're still here. We are still a tiny organization, but each year we tell you what we want to do in the year ahead. And if you agree that that's worth doing, you help us reach that goal and we grow that much. And what I'm going to do now is tell you about those goals that we have now, the things that we're going to do in the year ahead if you decide that they're worth doing. But I do want to say... We want your support so we can grow and do new things, but we need your support so we can keep doing the things we've already been doing. We lose 2 to 4% of our patrons every month, usually because their credit cards expire. What that means is, if you do the math on that, we are down at least 24% every year. So our continued existence does depend on you supporting us. So if we don't replenish that, we won't be here anymore. Last year, because we did better last year than the year before, we were able to hire Jaron Kerr, who you're going to hear today, to focus for months on one investigation. We were able to spend a full year on our Thunder Bay project, which I'm so excited to bring you in the weeks ahead. What we want to do in the coming year is, first of all, take care of our people. In previous years, I asked you for your support so that we could pay people competitive rates that are consistent with industry standards. Thank you. We've done that. We do not lose people to other organizations the way that we used to. We are meeting industry standards, but industry standards suck. We want to do better for the people who work here. My colleagues put their heart and soul into the work that they give away every week. And as this company does better, I want them to do better as well. So right away, I want to raise for everybody here, except for me. I want to improve the base rate that we pay to freelancers. I want to improve the benefits. We now have health benefits for our staff and their families. I want to see about extending those health benefits to part-time people and people who work with us in a less permanent way. I spent many years as that kind of a media employee without any kind of job security. I don't know why one class of employee should have that kind of benefit, not the other. I want to invest more in employee training. I want this to be a place where people can have careers and not just jobs. That is our first goal, that general improvement. Here's what I want to do after that. We have a growing stack of credible allegations of sexual misconduct abuses by people in Canada, some of them working in the media, that we simply do not have the resources to investigate and when necessary to report. And we're not the only ones. Guys, there is a widely held misconception that an allegation comes into a reporter's inbox in the morning and it gets reported out that afternoon. It does not work that way. These stories are incredibly difficult and time-consuming to report responsibly. It requires a lot of care when you're dealing 
with victims of abuse. It requires an incredible amount of care when you're dealing with people's reputations. Verifying the facts that you're getting, building trust with sources, finding out if other people are making similar allegations, looking into who knew about it and when, was the workplace aware, making decisions about what is newsworthy and what is not. It is difficult, time-consuming stuff, and you have to be so careful about it. We do not have the resources to report out the leads that we already have. I think it's crucial that somebody in this country has to have this job. If somebody is ready to come forward with an allegation, it has to be clear to them that there's a reporter who wants to receive that information, who can be trusted. So that's the plan. That is what we will do if we hit our second goal. It's something that I think needs to get done. Canada has always been about identifying gaps in coverage, holes, things that other people aren't doing, and then saying, okay, somebody's got to do it. It bothers me that we're sitting on this information. It bothers me that they're not getting reported out if they need to be. Some of these stories will get killed, but the work needs to get done. So that's a job that I think somebody in this country should have. And if you feel as well that that job should exist, then we will hit our second crowdfunding goal this season. So those are the goals. And I know that the work that we do is why people support us. Nobody supports us because we send you a free t-shirt. Nobody supports us because we send our hilarious book about Canada. Nobody's going to support Canada Land every month because they get a pair of socks. But we do have those things. In fact, we have a new limited edition run of the sold out and very popular Canada Land sock. And this is an amazing sock pattern. I urge you to go to patreon.com slash Canada Land right now, if for no other reason but to marvel at the socks that we have to offer you. Okay, I promised you that I would be making an announcement about something that has been requested more than anything else. This is something we've never offered you before. It is something you have asked us for, for five years. We finally have it. Ad-free podcasts. If you support us at the $5 a month level or higher, you will get a personalized link to an ad-free stream of all of our podcasts. This is compatible with iTunes, Apple Podcasts, all the different podcast players out there. We send you a link. It's personal to you. You pop it into your podcast player, and then you receive all of our stuff without advertisements. If you are already giving us $5 or more a month, check your inbox. We have already sent you instructions on how to get this going. If you're giving us a dollar a month or $4 a month, please, by all means, upgrade your support to $5, and we would be very happy to give you ad-free podcasts as well. And anyone new, this is a great time. You can have the socks, the keychain, and ad-free podcasts to the first 350 people who come to our website right now. But spreading the word online is incredibly beneficial. We can actually track that for every like three nice things people say about us, we get one more Patreon supporter. So please, this is the time of year when we need you to talk about why you support us. Guys, these are dark times for sure. It feels weird to be saying so many positive things when things are so negative, when the overall sense, uh, not just in news, but like in society right now, it just feels gross. This phrase, this slogan that news companies have adopted, facts still fucking matter. I like that. Facts do still fucking matter. They only still fucking matter if you decide that they matter. They only still fucking matter if we make them matter. Canada land is a imperfect thing that is working. We are tiny and every year we get a little bit bigger and every year we break more news stories. If something is flourishing, if there's a sign of hope, nurture that sign of hope, sustain that sign of hope, encourage it, encourage other people to follow in our footsteps. I do not know why there are not a dozen other people following our model exactly, but purposing it towards the content that they want to make. But this is something that is working. Please help it keep working. Please support us. 
at patreon.com slash CanadaLand. Jaron, what did you learn about WE? I learned that WE works with companies that use child labor. And sometimes WE's logo, you know, literally their brand, symbolizing their status as a virtuous organization, it's used to help these companies sell products made by children who are literal slaves. Uh-huh. Um, they have a partnership with Unilever, a massive consumer packaged goods company that makes everything from Magnum ice cream to Axe body spray, Dove soap. Unilever was found by Amnesty International uh, a couple years ago in 2016 to be a massive purchaser of palm oil made by child laborers in Indonesia. We acknowledges that partnership. And there was also Kellogg's, uh, which was found by Amnesty to also use this child labor-produced palm oil. I found extensive proof of a partnership between them and Me2We, mm -hmm. again, the for-profit half of the WE organization, but WE denies any partnership there. Uh-huh. And then there's Hershey's. Um, their chocolate products contain cocoa farmed by children in West African countries like uh, Ghana and the Ivory Coast. And some of those child laborers are the ones who are commonly referred to as slaves. Um, Hershey says that they plan to stop using child labor by 2020, but it seems like it's still in their supply chain. Uh-huh. And there's no question about a partnership between Hershey's and We Charity. But as for me to We, Candleland was told flatly that no partnership exists. They deny it. But I found an image in a publication called Shopper Marketing. It's a trade publication. And it shows that Me The Wee was part of a promotional campaign to sell Hershey's chocolates in Walgreens stores. And for people who don't know, Walgreens is a, a U.S. drugstore chain. And here I'll say, Wee denies that it promotes products or services of their sponsors. Okay. So those are the companies that are both connected to child labor and to Wee. But there's also Dow Chemical. They don't have any known history of using child labor, but what they do have is a very poor environmental record. And Napalm and Agent Orange, those chemical weapons that were used in the Vietnam War, those are manufactured by Dow, and they too are partnered with WE. WE fully acknowledges that partnership. Okay, so some of these partners, they say, yes, we are partnered with them, and some of them, they deny it, but you, you have evidence that challenges that, and, and we're going to get to that. You know, what I note, Jaron, about this is not just that WE partners have done harmful things that are well-documented, but it's that some have done the exact kind of harmful things that we was created to fight, like child labor. And they're doing those things precisely in parts of the world where we is supposed to be helping. And we is helping in some of these places, or at least close by. They have active beneficial programs in Sierra Leone, not far from Ghana and Ivory Coast, where children farm the cocoa that we has helped Hershey's sell. I think before we go any further, um, people are going to be very curious about what we has to say in their defense. And I want our listeners to know that Canada Land approached them to get their side of the story uh, almost three weeks ago is when you first reached out. Can you, Jaron, summarize their response? I have to summarize their response because they gave us over 100 pages of documentation and we've published all of that on the website for people to read. And they've also had two lawyers send us very forceful letters one of them was Stephen Harper's former lawyer. Peter Downard, he he literally wrote the book on libel law in Canada. That's who they've retained um, to deal with us on the story. Yes, he sent us two letters and um, they've sent us quotes from different employees and experts in response to our questions as well. Okay, so over 100 pages of response, but like what do they have to say about the crucial part of this, the connection to child labor? I mean, I, I can't even call these claims that these companies like Hershey's are connected to child labor or accusations because because Canada Land knows that these companies 
that WeWorks with are selling products made with child labor. So what does the WE organization have to say about that? They say a lot, uh, but it's difficult to summarize. And it's difficult because there's so much of it and because it's contradictory. So on one hand, they acknowledge parts of it. When I asked them if they know their partners use child labor and if they're okay with that, we said in a long response, quote, no company is perfect, unquote, and that in this day and age, no large company doing business on a global scale can keep child labor out of their supply chain. So that sounds like an admission to me. But to some of my specific questions like, okay, sure, but is your logo used to sell these products made with child labor? They flatly deny it. They denied that Hershey's works with MeToWe and they've denied any partnerships with Kellogg's. And I'll quote exactly what they've said. They say, our US entities, We Charity and the MeToWe Foundation have a partnership with Walgreens. We Charity and MeToWe Foundation have received funds from Walgreens. Walgreens, as a retailer, ran a retail promotion that encouraged customers to purchase various products in their stores. And when a customer purchased products in their stores, which includes Kellogg's products, Walgreens independently donated funds, which have been set aside to support the work of We Charity and or the Me to We Foundation. Jaron, you have photos. You've got pictures of a Hershey's me to we co-branded display case sitting in a Walgreens store. I mean, people can go on our website and look at this. It features the logos of Hershey's and Me to We on the same display case. The whole display case is branded as a We like Me to We. It's in the, it's in their brand colors of blue and white. It has a picture of a smiling African child on it holding a plant and the words everyone counts. Together with Hershey's, Walgreens helps children here and everywhere. Me to we logo, me to we logo. And Jesse, I, I also have a graphic that a source who worked with we gave us. And it shows literally two Kellogg cereal boxes, uh, Special K red berries and frosted mini wheats with a me to we logo on the box. They deny it's real. They suggest it was used by a different company to pitch them. But we received this picture from a former WE employee, not a third party. And someone with expertise in their branding said that these images matched WE's brand guidelines in terms of the colors and the fonts. And the source that we got this from felt strongly that this was made in-house. I also found a web page of theirs on a me to we website with the category labeled partner. Hershey's is in there, and so is Kellogg's. And in addition, I have this spreadsheet from a Wee source, a former employee, that forecasts $215,000 from, quote, Walgreen Kellogg, unquote. And yet they deny that there was any kind of partnership. It's been a struggle for me to understand how they can deny that there is a partnership when you've got all of this evidence. And I wonder if this isn't maybe, maybe relying on some different definition of what is a partnership. Yeah, we're starting to get into the weeds a little bit, but the WE organization is relying on Walgreens being a primary partner, but we confirmed that Walgreens has a retail promotion with companies like Kellogg's, with Walgreens then donating those funds to the WE Foundation. But a source that worked at the company said that me to we does, in fact, enter into a contract with these Walgreens vendors. I think from the public's point of view, like six of one, half a dozen of the other. I mean, regardless of whether or not me to we's contract is with Walgreens or with Hershey's or Kellogg's, if you've got the me to we logo next to Hershey's, next to Kellogg's, it seems like these these brands are associating, they're co-branding, they're working together, and they're suggesting that you buy a product and buying that product might help the world. So... Jaron, I want people to know, I want our listeners to know that Canada Land asked them to provide somebody, a spokesperson to come on the show and actually have this as a conversation. Now they declined, but they did give us a statement instead. They demanded 
that we read the whole thing on the show. And as you know, Jaron, that, that's not typically how this works. Journalists are obligated to present the other side of the story, and we very much want to, but we're not obligated to include every single word the other side wants to say. So usually I would just read the parts of the statement that actually answer questions that we've asked. But unlike the, you know, 100 plus pages of documentation that they sent to you, Jaron, this is just one page, which is actually quite a lot to read aloud on a podcast, but we'll put some music underneath it. So, you know, why not? Okay, this is from Scott Baker, the executive director of We Charity. We have declined to participate in this podcast because it is widely known that Canada Land does not operate with a commitment to facts, unbiased reporting, or basic journalistic integrity. Over the past 23 years, We Charity co-founders and staff have dedicated their lives to helping children. The result is a sustainable development model that has empowered over 1 million children and families around the world to lift themselves out of poverty. The organization started in 1995 with the name Free the Children because it funded groups to kick down doors to free child laborers. We quickly realized that returning freed children to impoverished families simply results in the children being sold again. The key to ending child slavery and child labor is eliminating its root cause, extreme poverty. Reflecting our new mission, the organization evolved its name to We Charity and lifts people out of poverty in five key ways. In villages around the world, We Charity provides education, clean water, health care, food security, and opportunity for jobs. Its impacts include building over 1,500 schools and schoolrooms, serving 200,000 students, providing 30,000 women and their families with economic empowerment, and delivering health care and clean water systems. To date, over 1 million lives have been transformed. Every decision we make is based on our mission to help end extreme poverty for children, including the creation of a social enterprise in 2005 to fund the charity. We believe that it's expensive and wasteful for charities to spend money on telemarketers, street canvassers, or Sunday morning television commercials. Instead, me to we Social Enterprises sells socially conscious products to earn income to fund the charity. It's similar to the Grameen Bank, which received the Nobel Peace Prize for using the social enterprise model to provide microcredit programs, lifting millions out of poverty. me to we is simple. A minimum of 50% of the social enterprise profits go to we Charity, while the other half is reinvested to grow the social mission. Me to We exists solely for the purpose to help We Charity. And that relationship and purpose has been independently verified by government agencies, a retired Supreme Court justice, and celebrated by groups such as Ernst & Young, B Corp, and KPMG. Me to We has provided over $20 million in cash and in-kind cost offsetting to We Charity to help children. Towards our goal to help end global poverty, we work in meaningful partnerships with some of Canada's biggest companies. This is common among many charities, such as Bell's Kids Help Phone and CIBC Run for the Cure. Although no company is perfect, we carefully select companies with a proven commitment to continuously strive for progress and social responsibility. The in-kind and financial support of companies results in We Charity achieving a remarkably low administration rate of less than 
This means that over 90% of every dollar donated goes directly to programs benefiting children. Because we believe in the mission, we have a dedicated, hardworking staff of more than a thousand team members around the world. An independent study showed that 98% of WE employees believe they are making a positive change in the world. WE Charity is one of the largest and most successful charities founded in Canada and headquartered in Canada. We are very proud of what has been accomplished, and we have found our life's purpose in helping others. Unfortunately, over the years, we have also found that the occasional person will find their own purpose in life by seeking to tear others down. This is often for their own agenda, such as personal economic gain by driving clicks and ad revenue to a website. We're grateful for the positive coverage we've received from credible media outlets, such as 60 Minutes, The New York Times, and The Economist, along with notable recognitions such as the Nelson Mandela Humanitarian Award, the Roosevelt Freedom Medal, and the Order of Canada. Most importantly, we're thankful for the support of over 4 million supporters annually who enable us to fulfill our mission of lifting more than 1 million children and families out of poverty. That's a lot. And uh, I just want to add that Candleland actually doesn't have ads on their website, so we wouldn't make any money from clicks. But I did receive some strong words myself. Uh, their spokesperson said to me, and I'm quoting now, your lack of professionalism and care can easily have serious consequences to tens of thousands of the most vulnerable people in the world, especially children. It is not a game to the children who have never been afforded an education and are now enrolled in one of our many schools. And it is equally not a game for the new mother and her baby being safely born in one of our hospitals. Your callous and cavalier approach to this interview process would cause harm, not just to the good works of the organization, but those we serve. I, I, I bristle at their insult uh, about your cavalier approach, Jaren, because I know what kind of a reporter you are and I know how fair you were with them, asking them many detailed questions and going to them not like hours or days before publication, but weeks before publication. But, but to put that aside, what they seem to be suggesting is that if we question the arguably harmful things that they do as a private for-profit company we are hurting the inarguably helpful and good things they do as a charity, which seems contradictory to me because so much of, of what they had to tell us in their responses was that their charity and their business are totally separate. And they spoke very forcefully about this distinction. And I asked them about it because I found it confusing. We's website says that, quote, we is made up of we charity and me to we. Both are a part of the we movement, also known as we in capitals and quote, we, uppercase W, lowercase E. So <laughs> if you say we, you are talking about both a charity and a business, which seems to blend the two. Uh, that's a lot. Uh, so, okay, if I say we, I'm talking about the charity and the business. If I say the we movement, I'm talking about the charity and the business. Obviously, if I say we charity, I'm, uh, that's just the charity. And if I say me to we, I'm speaking about just the business. And I know that in the States, me to we is called the me to we foundation, yes. which sounds like a charity, but it's not. It's, that's a business. Yes, they, they sound alike and they work in tandem. As they put it, me to we exists to benefit we charity. And it does. And as you heard in the letter, me to we donates profits to we charity. And since 2009, me to we has given around 20 million to we charity. But I want to put that figure in context. Okay. Because Candlelin has financial information that has never been reported before. 
So a source actually provided us documents that show that in 2016-2017, we forecasted $47 million in revenue from corporate partners alone. That's more than double what me to we has given in nine years. And that's all from one year. That's all from one fiscal period, one year. I think what it really illustrates, though, is just that the scale of the amount of business they're doing with corporate sponsors really dwarfs what their for-profit social enterprise is is, is kicking back into the charity, mm-hmm. $20 million over nine years versus $47 million in revenue in one year. And that's why I felt it was important to ask them about this distinction, because there's lots of people that thousands of them that volunteer and donate and there's children involved. And I wanted to know, do these people understand if they're dealing with a business or a charity? What did they say? They said that there's no confusion. They've done their research and there's almost none. They even sent us quotes from someone who they identify as a world-class branding expert. His name's Stanley Hainsworth of Tether Inc. He says there's quote, absolute clarity between entities, unquote, and that he had, quote, never seen a clearer brand distinction. (laughs) And to imply that otherwise is, as he says, bewildering. He's never seen a clearer brand distinction than the distinction between Me To We and and We charity. Yeah. And then Me To We Foundation in the US and so on and so forth. You know, it reminds me of, of what they said when we brought up the issue around child labor, that they are beyond reproach. Which is interesting to me because when they talk about these other companies that they partner with, they say no company is perfect. But in discussing themselves, they don't seem to be open to considering any level of imperfection. So my sources who had worked at We Charity say they felt like they went to work for a philanthropy but ended up working for a for-profit company. And those three also say they had ethical problems with the Dow Chemical Partnership specifically, which was with We Charity, specifically the We Schools program. Mm -hmm. But when they asked questions about it, they felt dismissed, which is why they're now coming forward through the press. Jaron, we're going to hear from one of your sources now. This is somebody who has direct firsthand experience working for the WE organization um, at, at various levels. And we know who this person is and we know what their job was. But we are presenting them here uh, without their name and uh, we have changed their voice uh, to protect their anonymity. We've absolutely bending to those companies because WE's entire, entire like profitability is dependent on those companies. There is no screening process or criteria that they go through to vet partnerships before they're made. Dow Chemicals, when they made that partnership, it was such a problem internally with employees. Now, we denies this and says they have a transparent and open policy for employees to raise ethical concerns through their head of people. Uh-huh. Uh, and we says that the Dow partnership was openly discussed before it was accepted. There's tons of branding around WE Day. You know, 13,000 kids packed into a stadium like the ACC all around North America and the UK. It is the most, like, chillingly impactful event I've ever been to, like, even, like, bigger than some concerts I've been to, like, U2 and all. Like, it is massive. It is, like, next level. And it is amazing and it is inspiring. And these kids are changing the world. Like, I'm not taking that away from them. But why does a company want to partner with them? Because of access to those kids. Because we give gift bags and they can push it in the gift bags. Because yeah. they got their logo all over everything. Because, you know, they have access. You know, the kids are wearing RBC t-shirts or Allstate t-shirts. They're wearing, you know, hats from another company, lanyards from another company. And at the end of the day, all of that needs to happen for kids to have the opportunity to go to Wee Day. There is good that's happening there. But 
it's absolutely marketing. Anytime I wanted to sign a new company, we brought them to WeDay. It's, it's undeniable. They, they also said they have research showing that almost all their employees are happy and that even if I spoke to 36 employees, and I haven't gotten that far yet, uh, who were not happy, they say that their opinions would be, quote, statistically insignificant because, of course, there's thousands of employees there. They said that even if 36 of their own former employees criticized them, it wouldn't matter in the grand scheme of things because it's just 36 out of 1,000. And that's statistically insignificant. Okay. And I just want to make one last point on this blurring of charity and business. Okay. We has said that, yes, they have separate office offices for Me To We and We Charity, but they've admitted that the two have shared office space. They admit that they share an IT team. They admit that they share a human resources team, and they admit that some of their employees do work for both sides of the organization. And many sources I've spoken to fit that description. So even on LinkedIn, it's just called We. Yeah. They... It's a very hard thing to decipher when they're separate and when they're together. I think even the spokesperson you were talking to was speaking for both organizations. So this idea of like a hard distinction between the two. But Jaron, it's not that surprising to me. I mean, I like I get why it's relevant to your investigation, especially when they have gone to such lengths to insist there's absolute clarity and distinction between these entities. But I become familiar with like the public messaging of the WE movement and the blending of philanthropy with business, what they call social enterprise. That's like the Kielberger's thing. Like their message, as I understand it, is that charities are broken. They're too bureaucratic and old-fashioned. Capitalism is like this rocket fuel for philanthropy. And it's only because of Canada's arcane tax laws that they, they even have two separate entities instead of one in the first place. And anyhow, both organizations are trying to do the same thing, which is like save the world together. And the Kielbergers actually have a book about this. It came out this year. It's called We Economy, and they wrote it with Holly Branson, who's the daughter of the billionaire Richard Branson of Virgin. And in that book, they say, you know, you can, quote, cash in, unquote, on the new normal and get into corporate social responsibility on a big level. Don't just write a little check for a minor baseball team in your community. You can really get out there and change the world in a big way. I get why that message has been such a big hit with large corporations, I mean, especially large corporations that have bad reputations. Like, look at the messaging in their partnerships. Like before, Dow was known as an environmental monster. But with we, they're, quote, protecting the environment. Unilever was called out by Amnesty International for being one of the world's biggest purchasers of palm oil that is farmed by children. But with we, they are, quote, honoring youth who make the planet more sustainable. You know, and then Hershey's, which, you know, they're boycotts and demonstrations. Hershey's known for selling chocolate made by child slaves. But with me to we, Hershey's is, quote, helping children everywhere with a picture of a of a smiling African child. So I get why these companies like this message. And Jared, I can even see we's side of this, which they explained to us. And, you know, I'm going to try to get this right. Like their philosophy, as I understand it, is. Hey, no company is perfect, but these companies, at least the ones that they admit to being in partnerships with, these companies have proven to us that they care deeply about social responsibility. They are making big investments. And look, what would you rather, that companies do bad things around the world and then not do good things? I mean, yes, okay, they're trying to look good for their own PR interests, but with us, they look good when they do good. Should we not take their money then and, and spend it on hospitals and food for the needy and, and, and clean water? 
So I understand that. I have a lot of room in my mind for contradiction and complexity. The world is a complicated place, but like all of that is fine, but maybe you don't have to help companies sell products that are still being made using child labor. I mean, I just think people should know. People should know what's going on and make up their own minds. So as testy as they were with me, and even though I'm still confused about some of their denials in the face of so much evidence, I'm really glad that they did respond and express their point of view about the partnerships that they do admit that they're in. Because before they did so, much of this wasn't on the record. And now that people have this information, they can they can make up their own minds. Jaron, thank you. Um, there, there is so much more of this that we did not get to. People should really go to the Canada Land website and read your article on this, see the photos and the evidence and the documents that you obtained. And I want people to know uh, you're not done reporting this. There is other information that you've received about what it's like to work for WE, information about how WE interacts with the media throughout the years. You're looking into those things and anything else about this organization. If people want to get information to you, even if they want to remain anonymous, how can they reach you? There's a couple ways. Uh, you can contact me through my email, and that's Jaren, J-A-R-E-N, at CandalandShow.com. And if you'd rather go through an encrypted channel, you can reach me on Signal. Um, that's 530-517-7538. That is your Canada Land Show for this week. You can read all of this, the first installment of Jaron's investigation of the WE movement at our website at canadalandshow.com, where you will also find all of WE's responses to us. If you want to get in touch with Jaron, once again, it's J-A-R-E-N at canadalandshow.com. The producer of this episode is Ali Graham. Our managing editor is Kevin Sexton. And as I mentioned at the beginning, our Thunder Bay podcast is one week away from being live, and you can subscribe to it right now and hear a teaser. Go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and search for Thunder Bay. Finally, I will remind you once again that this is crowdfunding month here at Canada Land. If the work that we do here is valuable to you and you want to see more of it, now is the time to support us. Go to patreon.com slash CanadaLand. Have a look at what we want to do and have a look at what we want to send you for helping us. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada Land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, 
A Campside Media Original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.